1: for 50% off, visit rosettastone.com slash LeVar. That's rosettastone.com L-E-V-A-R. Hi, I'm LeVar Burton, and this is LeVar Burton Reads. It's where I handpick a different piece of short fiction and read it to you every episode, and the only thing that these stories have in common that I love, them, and I hope you will too. Today, I'm going to bring you a story from the American West, Wyoming specifically, and the story is called Graham Green. Even the title of this story plays very prominently in the narrative. The story is by one of my favorite authors, Percival Everett, from his collection called Half an Inch of Water from Grey Wolf Press. Now, Percival Everett is a really interesting writer, and, and this is a very surprising kind of story. Percival loves keeping his reader a little bit off balance, as he certainly does in this story. He loves playing around with the reader's expectations and assumptions. He's, he's literally written a series of murder mystery novellas called Assumption, about the assumptions that people make when they're investigating something. Now, I'll note here that Percival is a black man. Not that it matters, but I mention it because Percival, as a writer, loves to poke at what people's expectations of what a black man's writing is or is going to be. So keep that in mind. He's (laughs) he's written a comic novel called I Am Not Sidney Poitier, which has a character in it who's actually called Not Sidney Poitier. That gives you a little idea and little insight into Percival's humor. Um, Percival's writing is filled with interesting references, and this is no exception. The story, as I said, is called Graham Greene, but is it a reference to the English novelist Graham Greene or the Native American actor Graham Greene? Their names are spelled identically the same. Our story, like I said, is set in Wyoming, but this really isn't a classic kind of American Western story that you might expect. There are lots of allusions to detective stories and tracking down people or searching for the truth in this story. The movie Thunderheart comes up again and again. Thunderheart is a movie about an FBI investigation on an Indian reservation, and we do have an investigation on an Indian reservation in this story. So there are Easter eggs within Easter eggs within Easter eggs. And part of the fun is recognizing them for yourselves. So remember that Percival loves to keep us on our toes. So don't get too comfortable in what you might think is happening in any particular moment. All right. All right. So here we go. I'm going to take a little journey into the world that Mr. Everett has created for us. Let's begin by taking a deep breath. Are you ready? Here we go. Graham Green by Percival Everett I had done some work on the reservation nearly ten years earlier, helping to engineer an irrigation ditch that brought water from a dammed high creek down to the pastures of Arapahoe Ranch. I slept on half a dozen different sofas during the seven months of the project. The tribe paid me well, and I left. Thought that was the end of it. Then, just a few weeks ago, I received a letter from a woman named Roberta Cloud. I was not so much surprised by the call as I was by the fact that she was still alive. She'd actually had a friend write for her as she was blind now, the letter stated. A friend said that Roberta needed my help. It was a short letter, to the point, without many details. The letter ended with an overly formal Until I see you, I am sincerely, Roberta Cloud. I made the drive up from Port Collins on a Thursday. I left in the morning and stopped at Dick's Dogs in Laramie for an ill-advised early lunch. I loved the dogs, but they never loved me back. I drove into a stiff early winter wind that caused my Jeep to burn more gas than usual. The high-profile, flat-faced vehicle felt like it was on its heels as I pressed into the breeze. I hit Lander mid-afternoon and drove straight through to Ethatee. Ether was just a gas station with a convenience store. There was a yellow light at the intersection that flashed yellow in all four directions. I stopped and grabbed myself a cup of coffee. A heavyset woman rang up my drink and the packaged cake I'd put on the counter. Think it will snow? I asked. Eventually, she said. I nodded. Can you tell me how to get to Roberta Cloud's house? She's on 17-mile road. Where on the road? Closer to here or Riverton? Did you know it ain't 17 miles, that road? How long is it? Changes, she said. I've never measured it myself. Some people say it's only 13 miles. Dewey St. Clair said it's 19, but I think he just said that because he was always late for work. How will I know Roberta's house? She's at the first bend. There's a purple propane tank in the yard. Big one. Thanks. I drove back to 17-mile road and turned east. After a couple of miles, I saw the bend, and there was the big purple tank. Someone had scrawled Indian Country across it in white paint, but the last letter of the first word and the last two of the second were worn off, so it read, India Count. I rolled into the yard and waited behind the wheel for a few minutes. A black dog came trotting from the house next door. I got out and opened the back of my Jeep. I placed a carton of cigarettes on a stack of three new dish towels and a $20 bill on top of that. The dog walked me to the door. I knocked lightly. I didn't remember Roberta all that well. I recalled only that she was the oldest person I had ever talked to. She looked to be 90 back then. The gift was customary. I didn't know if she smoked, but the tobacco was important. I knocked harder, and a woman called for me to enter. I did. Roberta Cloud sat in a rocker across the room, backlit by the sun through a window. She didn't rock. Miss Cloud? Yes? It's Jack Keene. Mr. Keene, you came. Y- yes, ma'am. You call, I come. That's the way it works. I could get used to that, she said. I have a few things for you, I told her. Thank you, Mr. Keene, she pointed to the table. I put down the towels, cigarettes, and money. Uh, please, call me Jack. Sit down, Jack. I sat on the sofa under the window. The sun came through the glass and hit my neck. I was wondering if you got my letter, she said. You didn't give me a phone number, and I knew I could get here faster than the mail. And here you are. Here I am. What can I do to help you? I want you to find my son. Ma'am? My son. I'm 102 years old. I'm going to die, and I want to see my son one last time. I haven't seen him in a bunch of years, maybe 30. (laughs) Miss Cloud, I'm not a detective. He's a good boy. I was 20 when I had him, and he never gave me any trouble. I did the math. Miss Cloud, that would make your son 82 years old. I reckon that's right. In my head, I did more math. I was told once that the average Native American man lives to be 44. I wasn't sure I believed the statistic, it being so shocking and sad, but I was certain that it wasn't a gross exaggeration. Miss Cloud's son would be defying the odds if he were still alive. So, you're telling me you haven't seen your son since he was 52 years old? His name is Davey. Do you know where I should look for David? Davey. His name is Davey. That's what's on his birth paper. His name is Davey. Davey. I looked at Roberta Cloud's wrinkled face, her cloudy eyes. I wondered if she could see it all. When I met you years ago, I knew you were a good man, she said. And here you are. I'm glad you think that, I said. That's why I wrote to you. I didn't know whether to feel flattered or like a sucker, Uh, ma'am. I have to say that I don't think I'm the person to try to find Davy. She nodded. You will find him. I believe with all my heart that you will find him. Why do you believe that, ma'am? Let's just say I have a good feeling about you. And then she let out a high little laugh that seemed incongruous. I see. The last I heard, he he was working in a restaurant in Lander. The restaurant would be a good place to start. There are many restaurants in Lander, Miss Cloud. Do you know the name of the restaurant? No, I, I don't. She reached over to the table beside her rocker and picked up a photograph. She pretended to look at it and then pushed it toward me. Miss Cloud, 82 is kind of old to be working in a restaurant, working anywhere. Here's a picture of Davy. I took the photo and looked at it. I looked at the olive skinned man with a long braid. He looked familiar. The man in the picture looked to be in his mid 40s. It's an old picture, Miss Cloud. Do you think I'll be able to recognize him? You'll know him when you see him, she said. I wanted to ask her if she was sure he was still alive, but thought better of it. What's his birth date? I asked. The 2nd of December, she said quickly. The year? She directed her useless eyes at the ceiling. I don't know, she said. Maybe she was crying. Uh, Miss Cloud, I started. Mr. Kane, she said, her voice softer than before. I'm going to die in one week. I can't stop it. That's the way it is. I know you will find my Davy. There was nothing for me to say. Actually, there were many things I could have said, but none of them to Roberta Cloud, But I said the one thing that I could say to her, and that was, "'Yes, ma'am.' "'Well, you had better hurry, Mr. (laughs) Keene. "'The clock's ticking,' she laughed. "'Needless to say, I did not. "'Hurry, that is. "'What was I supposed to hurry up and do?' I rose, bid her goodbye, and walked out into the cold March air. I looked at the propane tank and was sorry it had been so easy to spot. I stood just outside the door and heard no movement from inside. I wondered, briefly, what had prompted me to respond to the old woman's letter. Briefly, because I answered the question in short order. I was there because... I was a stupid do-gooder, a typical idiot with a slight messianic complex. I thought I'd come up here and the old woman would ask for something simple, like a repair on the aforementioned propane tank, and I would do it, feel good about myself, and help out an old woman. I got what I deserved for being a nice guy. I climbed into my car and drove to the reservation office. Maybe this would be simple. Perhaps Davy Cloud, if he was still alive, which I doubted, was living only miles away on the reservation. As I parked and got out, I peered up to see that the sun was giving into a sky that looked like snow. Inside, I found a lone woman sitting at a desk behind a long, high counter. What can I do you for? she asked. A man could hear that a couple of ways, I said. A man could, she said, but a man won't. Fair enough. I put the photograph on the counter. I'm looking for this man. (laughs) I'd be looking for him, too. The woman said. He's a looker. I nodded. But he's about 80 now. Oh. His name is Davy Cloud. No, Davy Cloud, she said. There's a Roberta Cloud. No, Davy Cloud. He's Roberta's son. The woman looked at me with a sidelong glance for a second. Then she might have shaken her head. I wasn't sure. Could you check? Check what? Don't you have a register or a role or something? Yes, we have a list of everyone in the tribe. Is he Arapaho? He's Roberta Cloud's son. O- okay, I'll look up Roberta. She walked to a desk and sat at it, facing a computer screen. We just digitized what we have. Here's Roberta. No mention of a son, but that wouldn't be strange. Eighty years ago, some people just had their kids and that was it. No paperwork, no nothing. A reservation phone book? She came back to the counter, reached under it, and pushed the thin volume that was the phone book toward me. Look for yourself. One cloud. Roberta cloud. I believe you, I said. Do you have any old phone books? No. Is there a library on the reservation? She shook her head. There's a library in Lander. Thank you. Sorry to come in with such strange questions. Every week, some wasichu comes in here looking for an Indian nobody knows. She was joking, but she had used Lakota slang for a white person, and it kind of rankled me. I'm not white, I said. You're not Indian, she said. True enough. Have a good day, ma'am. I drove to the library in town. It was late in a steel gray afternoon. I asked the cliche of a librarian at the reference desk if they had any old phone books. They had some for Lander and a few for the reservation. Apparently, The reservation hadn't started keeping a phone book until seven years earlier. Still, I looked through all of them. I had nothing better to do with my time. I found a computer, got online, and found a couple of David Clouds. Not one was native. All were young, and none were in Wyoming, and, as usual, I felt a little sullied by having been online. I drove to a diner and tried to find some food. It should have been easy, given that I was in a restaurant, but it was not. The chicken soup tasted like soap, and the club sandwich's only memorable attribute was that it was enormous. The waitress was an older woman who seemed well aware that the food was substandard. I would ask you if everything's okay, she said, and left it at that. Just filled my mug with coffee and walked away. When she came back, I asked her how long she'd worked there. Twenty years, she said. That's a long time, I said. You bet your sweet ass that's a long time. Now every week feels like twenty years. Sorry, I said. You ever have any Arapaho men work in the kitchen? A couple. A Sioux guy worked the kitchen last year. I showed her the photograph. You ever seen him? She studied the image. She gave it a good, very long look. Nope. Never seen him. That picture was taken about 30 years ago, I said. She turned her head to the side like a dog, and said, There is something familiar about him. So maybe he worked here? I asked. Uh, What's his name? Davy Cloud. She shook her head but said, He does look familiar, but all Indians look alike to me. Well, okay then. No, he hasn't worked here since I've been here. I know that much. Thank you. Sure thing. Can I ask you something? Shoot, she said. Is this chicken soup? She glanced quickly back at the window. That's what I'm told. It's bad, right? Tastes like soap. It tastes exactly like palm olive dish soap. Exactly like it. She smiled at me as if we were sharing some important knowledge. Why didn't you mention this when I ordered it? She shrugged. I put the photo back in my breast pocket. I walked into two other restaurants for no reason except that I had time to kill and didn't know what else to do. Showed the photo and got strange looks. When it was getting late, I wandered into a run-down tavern with pool tables and a jukebox and ordered a beer. I said hello to the woman who was working the bar. A couple of bikers shot a game behind me. I thought, what the hell, and pulled out the photograph. Uh, Excuse me, miss, but have you ever seen this man? I asked the bartender. What are you? She asked. What do you mean? Are you a cop? At the word cop, I heard the pool game stop briefly. You some kind of private eye? No, uh, I'm an engineer. That didn't help clear things up at all, so I decided to change my story. I told the next person that Davy Cloud had come into an inheritance... The heavy set blonde young man with two sleeves of tattoos showed great interest. Is there a finder's fee? No, I'm afraid not. Then why are you looking? He asked. Friend of the family. Fuck that. He went back to playing pool. Let me see that picture, a woman said. I did. I know that guy. You do? She was about 20 and wouldn't even have been born when the picture was taken. Yeah, that's that Indian actor. What's his name? She bumped her forehead with her fist a couple of times. Damn it! Sherry, come over here! Sherry did along with the three leathery bikers. They all looked at the picture together. The first woman said... What's that guy's name? He was in that movie with Hal Kilmer. Val Kilmer, Sherry corrected her. She thought, gently pounding her own forehead with her palm. Graham Greene. He was in that Dances with Wolves. Val Kilmer wasn't in that, a biker said. The movie was Thunderheart, Sherry said. I know my movies. Yeah, that's Graham Greene. I looked at the picture. I'd seen both of the movies, and he did look a little like Graham Greene. In fact, he looked a lot like Graham Greene. Then I felt like an asshole for thinking that maybe the two men looked alike, as if it was because they were both Indians. One of the bikers stared at me. He had a cliché red bandana tied over his hair. You know this guy? He said, more an accusation than a question. Trying to find him for a friend. Why? Some inheritance thing, the first guy I talked to said as he was taking his shot at the table. How much? The biker asked. I I don't know. The guy in the picture is about 80 years old now. 80? What the fuck does an 80-year-old need with an inheritance? The biker let loose a high-pitched laugh, and his friends laughed with him. I shrugged and took the photo back from Sherry. "Uh, Thanks. I said. You're welcome, the biker said, not sincerely. That's Graham Greene, Sherry called to me when I was at the door. I'm telling you, that's Graham Greene. I was hours into a hunt for new digs at the local shopping mall and losing steam fast when fate intervened. Drumsticks! Get your drumsticks! Nutty, sweet drumstick! What luck! One drumstick, please. Here you go. Uh, This is hot and made of chicken. I want an ice-cold, creamy, crunchy drumstick sundae cone. You and me both, buddy. But that's the vendor next door. Drumsticks! But that line is three miles long! Oh, well. Another day, another drumstick.
0: Miracle
1: Grow is simply the best. After a night in a motel, I returned to the library the next morning and looked at images of Graham Greene. The man in my photograph did look a lot like Graham Greene, but also different. Regardless, I didn't know where to look next. I decided to try the sheriff's office. The inside of the office was as nondescript as the outside, and in fact, so was the sheriff. He was a new sheriff, though he was over 50. I could tell because his clothes were so neat and crisp. His dispatcher was out sick, and so he was manning the desk, he told me. I showed him the photograph. Looks like that actor, he said. I know. What's his name? Graham Green. No, that's not it. He was on that Chuck Norris television show. He scratched his head as he looked out the window. Floyd something. Westerman. Floyd Westerman. This man's name is Davy Cloud. He's Arapaho, and he's about 80 now. Why do you want him? I promised his hundred-year-old mother I'd find him. You're shitting me. I I wish I were. I tapped the picture. I can't find out anything about him. I was thinking maybe he has a driver's license. And you thought you could just wander into the police station and have somebody look that up on a computer, right? I blew out a breath feeling pretty stupid. <laughs> well, let's take a look, he said. He laughed. Really? Why not? The sheriff used the computer on the counter. What's the name? Davy Cloud. David Cloud, he said. Davy. I repeated. It was made clear to me that his name is Davy, not David. Doesn't matter, he said. No clouds at all. Okay, thanks, Sheriff. What are you going to do? he asked. Beats me. I looked at him for a second. What would you do? You got a birth date for Davy Cloud? Day, month, but no year. The sheriff snorted out a laugh. (laughs) Then I'd give up. You would? I would. Thanks, sheriff. I liked the sheriff's advice. It made complete sense to me, and I would probably follow it because there was nothing more I knew to do. I could not drag my carcass all over Wyoming looking for someone who was probably really a carcass. But before admitting defeat, I decided to go ask around on the reservation one more time. I felt guilty because my search was really half-assed. That was due to my complete incompetence and also a sheer lack of any fundamentally important information. All I had was an old photograph, and for all I knew, the man in it was an actor. I parked in front of the little store at the flashing light. It was just starting to snow. I walked inside and grabbed a cup of coffee and walked up to the register. The same heavyset woman stood behind the counter. Remember me? I asked. You were in here asking about Roberta Cloud. That's right. I found her, thanks to you. Tell me, do you know Miss Cloud? I sipped my coffee. She used to come in more, but I haven't seen her in a long time. Why were you looking for her? Wants me to find her son. Her son? He's 82 years old. The woman laughed. So, you don't know him. I didn't even know she had a son. Here's his picture. It was taken 40 years ago, I think. I handed her the photograph. Never seen him. He doesn't look familiar to you? She shook her head. Like an actor? She studied the picture again. Nope. It pleased me that she didn't think he looked like anyone else. I put Davy Cloud back in my pocket. Uh, my name's Jack. Dolores. Dolores. "'Dolores, after Roberta, tell me who is the oldest person on the reservation?' Dolores looked at her feet and then out at the snow that was falling now in earnest. "'It's going to be a mess,' she said. "'I'd guess that it would be Regina Shakespeare. "'I don't know how old she is, but she's almost as old as Roberta. "'Where is her house?' Last I heard, she was living over on Yellow Calf Road. Where's that? Off 17 Mile, before Plunkett. Plunkett is where the tribal office is. Okay, how will I know her house? I asked. Never been there. Thanks, Dolores. Can I ask you a question? Dolores looked at my eyes. Why are you doing all this? I don't know. An old lady asked me to do something for her, and I said I'd try. You could have said no, she said. I suppose I could have, but I didn't, and here I am. You must have hurt somebody along the way, I guess. Excuse me? You must be guilty about something. I stared at her for a long few seconds. Who isn't? I found my way to Yellow Calf Road. There were two houses on the dirt lane and they faced each other. On the porch of one lay a big black dog, a Doberman mix, perhaps. The dog raised his head as I got out of my car, and so I made the reasonable choice of trying the other house first. I walked through the deep yard and onto the narrow stoop. I knocked. I heard grunts first and immediately came barking as five or six dogs, ranging from medium to huge, came tearing around the corner of the house— They lunged while I tried to remain calm and slowly walk away. They did not chase me all the way to my car, but rather disappeared, much as they had appeared. I looked across the road at the Doberman Mix. His head was down again. I noticed smoke coming from the chimney pipe. I walked to the other house and stepped onto the porch. The dog looked up at me and then closed his eyes. I knocked. A young man came to the door. He might have been in his mid-twenties. He had two long braids that fell over his shoulders. I'm looking for Regina Shakespeare, I said. What do you want with her? It's a long story, but I just want to ask her about Davy Cloud. Who's... Davy Cloud, he asked. Roberta Cloud's son? I didn't know she had a son. And who are you? My name's Jack Keene. I'm a friend of Roberta. You can come in, but it won't do any good to speak to my great-grandmother. She's got Alzheimer's. I'm sorry, I said. She's in and out. I stepped into the house, an old-fashioned wide-stance wood stove kept the place very warm. Gammy, the man called her. The woman sat in an old wheelchair. She didn't look up. Gammy, this man wants to ask you a question. He looked at me. Go ahead. Ma'am, sorry to bother you, but do you recall someone named Davy Cloud? He's Roberta Cloud's son. Roberta Cloud, Regina Shakespeare said, surprising her great grandson. Why, she's even older than me. (laughs) She let out a strong, throaty laugh. Do you know anything about her son? I asked. He'd be about your age. Alderwood pops too much, don't you think? she said. She held up her index finger. And smiled at the man. What's this? It's your finger, Gammy. Alderwood pops, she said. The young man looked at me. Thanks for your time, I said. Sorry. The highway was nasty as I drove back to Lander. The temperature had dropped suddenly and every curve looked like black ice to me. The snow was falling heavily now. I made it to a motel and lay in bed and did nothing. It was only Friday night and I had exhausted every avenue I could think of. I wondered... What was I supposed to do for a week? And then I remembered that if I waited a week, Roberta Cloud would be dead. At least she told me she would be. I would have to go to her house the next morning and tell her that I had failed, that there was no way I could track down Davy. I fell asleep, wanting to dream about finding Davy Cloud, but I didn't. I dreamed about an old girlfriend that I'd never loved. And so I woke up in a bad mood. The world was buried in snow on Saturday morning, my car along with it. I raked the windshield clear and then chipped and scraped off the ice. My fingers were numb when I started my engine. I returned to my room and let the car run for a while. I wanted the heat in the car, and I wasn't sure if I could even shift and steer with my hands as frozen as they were. I snapped on the television for a weather report, and there was Graham Greene talking to Val Kilmer in Thunderheart. Greene's character was complaining about Kilmer's character having a vision I fell in behind a snow plow on the highway and though it was slow going I felt more confident about the safety of the road but that was short lived as the plow turned around at the reservation border and I was left to push through 6 inches of snow with my Subaru There were a couple of cars and a pickup parked at Roberta Cloud's house. I tramped through the snow to her door and knocked. A young woman answered. Are you Mr. Keene? she asked before I could say anything. I am. Come in. There were two other women inside the house and a tall man who drank from a large travel mug. What's going on? I asked. She's dying, the man said. She's been asking for you, the woman who met me at the door said. Who are you? A friend, I said. Let's go then, she said. She led me into the room where Roberta Cloud lay on the bed under quilts. He's here, Roberta, the woman said and left. Mr. Keen, you're back. Her voice was so weak, so soft, I could barely hear her from five feet away. Yes, ma'am. I knew you would find my Davy. Davy. My Davy. Roberta Cloud reached out her hand. She was so weak that I thought I could feel her life slipping away. I stepped close and took the old woman's hand. It felt like a baby bird. Her bones felt like nothing. I said, nothing. Davy, my Davy, she whispered. I've missed you so much. I love you. I didn't make a sound. I rubbed the back of her little hand with my thumb. It's been too long, Roberta Cloud said. She said that several times until her voice just trailed off. I watched her face. I felt her leave. I didn't even hear. Her last breath. She was just gone. One of the women came in and I looked up at her. She left and I heard her tell the others that Roberta Cloud was no more. There was no crying. I let go of her hand and stood up. She looked peaceful. I toyed with the idea that I was partly responsible for that. I also felt terrible that I had lied to her. I told myself it was not exactly a lie. I had simply let her assume something. But, of course, I had lied. I left the room and joined the others in the kitchen. So, who are you? One of the women asked. Uh, Miss Cloud asked me to come here and then asked me to find her son, her 82-year-old son. I I couldn't find him. That's because he died when he was a boy, the man said. Excuse me? He would have been my great-uncle, I think, one of the women said. Granduncle? I looked back at the bedroom. What did she say to you? The woman from the door asked. She thought I was Davy. And so you were, the man said. So you were. So, what did you think? I love this story um, for so many reasons. Like we talked about at the beginning, what Percival Everett really loves doing is just poking at our preconceived notions and perceptions, our perceptions about truth, our perceptions about identity, our perceptions about our own expectation of how the world Works, And when I got to the end of the story, when I read this for the first time and I realized that that photograph that Jack had been using to identify this person he was looking for couldn't possibly have been her son. When we get the information that her son died as a child, I was like, oh, my God. We have I've been taken on a ride. I've been taken on a ride, taken for a ride, um, which is just the deliciousness for me of the short story form. It's it's going on that ride and arriving at some place completely unexpected. You know, in, in, in terms of of talking about um, expectations, I once did a TV movie called Dummy with Paul Sorvino, where I played a deaf young man accused of murder. True story. And um, in my conversations with the director, a wonderful director named Frank Perry, it was clear from the very beginning of our process that um, I had to make certain decisions um, about mm. what really happened, at least in the in our telling of this tale, because there are actually two murders that transpire, one that get Donald arrested and, and going through the criminal system to begin with and then once he's released the coda of the movie was that there was a second murder of which he is accused and so what was really interesting for me was for most people the expectation was that because he was deaf there was more propensity to disbelieve that this young man was capable of committing this crime. And it was just an assumption that we automatically make, these prejudged ideas that we form in our heads. But then when the second murder comes along, then it's sort of like we decide all bets are off. And, And that's one of the reasons why I love Percival's writing and this story in particular, because we have to make certain decisions about about the story that we're experiencing, we have to decide, you know, why this woman called this particular man and sent him on this quest, what what was her motivation? Um, and and why him particularly? And those questions that we have to fill in that is it's our participation as reader of the story, as listener to the story that that actually guide the ultimate. Outcome of the story in terms of our satisfaction and enjoyment. Lavar Burton Reads is produced by Julia Smith, editing and sound design by Adam Dibert, and a big thank you to Matt Gorley. And thanks to my man Kevin Bartelt for his help in producing this episode. And a very special thank you. To Percival Everett for today's story. It's part of his collection called Half an Inch of Water, and it's available from Grey Wolf Press. His new novel is called So Much Blue, and you can find the audio version of that title right now on Audible. And please, if you love the show and you want to help other people find it, give us a rating or review us on Apple Podcasts. And while you're leaving a review, suggest a story for the show. I've loved hearing your thoughts about the podcast and reading your reviews. We'll be back next week with another hand-picked story. Or if you can't wait that long, listen to the next episode right now on Stitcher Premium. To find out more, visit stitcherpremium.com slash LeVar. That's L-E-V-A-R. LeVar Burton Reads is a production of Stitcher. Our executive producers are Chris Bannon and Jenny Radolette. I'm Lavar Burton, and you can find me on Twitter at, at Lavar Burton and Lavar.burton on Instagram. I'll see you next time. But you don't have to take my word for it. Stitcher.
0: Hi, this is Casey Wilson, and this week I'm guest hosting the longest shortest time. I'm talking to my friend, the hilarious writer, Jesse Klein. You're doing a great job, by the way. I feel like Christian (laughs) Omnipour. (laughs) <laughs> we chat about parenthood while providing some practical tips on getting pregnant. There was quite a bit of scaffolding that had to be put up around my uterus, feeding your baby. I got a yeast infection in my boob. <laughs> Hi. Oh, God. I am on Tinder. Oh, God, I <laughs> heaven, not have it. Swipe right. And helping your child fall asleep. Shouldn't be laughing. It's not funny, but after crying. <laughs> cried so hard he threw up. he was like, ah, ah, ah. Oh. <laughs> I was like oh my god this is not gonna work don't miss it this week on the longest shortest time
1: Long days and no drumstick make for short fuses. And this fateful Monday, my fuse was as stubby and hungry as they come. Where are the drumstick vanilla cones? Take it easy, Sonny. Where are the drumstick vanilla cones, please? Yes! Sweet, creamy, crunchy, crispy, decadent deliciousness. Sir, I can ring you up. In my preoccupation with scoring (laughs) a drumstick, I had forgotten my wallet. Uh, do you offer buy now, pay later? Another day,
0: another drumstick.